Father, thank you for this study of just being able to be drawn closer to you through prayer. Thank you for how you're working in our lives. At least, Lord, you're working in my life in this area. You're showing me things, teaching me how to pray. And Lord, I pray that this is not something we would just file on a shelf shelf after this is over, but that we would continue to implement praying like these prophets, warriors, and kings. And so, Lord, uh, we give you this time today as we look at Jehoshaphat. Ask that you would speak to us. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. How would you respond if you woke up this morning and received some news that something bad was about to happen that could change your life drastically? Would you panic? Would you move into a state of anxiety and despair? Would you sit down and start mapping out a battle plan for how you would handle the situation? Or would you first turn to seek the Lord and pray about it and seek his help? Well, this week we studied the prayer of Jehoshaphat. And that was exactly what happened to him. He received some very distressing news one day. And he gave us a great model of how to respond in times of overwhelming situations. And so today we're going to look at the prayer of Jehoshaphat and the situation that he faced in Second Chronicles 20. So go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Second Chronicles 20, because we're going to be looking at some of these verses in this chapter. As I was preparing this lecture, uh, it's kind of hard to teach on Jehoshaphat, because we've heard it taught many times. We've taught it several times here in Heart to Heart. And as I was trying to think through, God, what is one takeaway that you're giving me? What is one thing that you want me to walk away from this lesson with? The one takeaway he gave me was a simple phrase, when in need, go to your knees. When I'm in need, I need to go to my knees in prayer and seek God. And so I want to uh, address four questions this morning from Second Chronicles 20 that emphasizes this takeaway, when in need, go to your knees. And so the, four, the first of the four questions is, what was his need? And we see that in the verses 1 and 2. He got a report that told him, a great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea to make war against you. Armies were coming to attack the Israelites, and that was distressing news. And he recognized the magnitude of what he was up against. He didn't minimize it. He didn't blow it off. He didn't ignore it. He wasn't overconfident and said, I got this, nothing to it. We, we, we got this, not worried. He knew exactly what he was up against. And he knew that it was bigger than he could handle. He was in need. And you and I have needs that arise every day, or almost every day, I would guess, in our lives. 
And it may not be armies that are coming to attack the U.S. or Memphis, or there's not some biochemical attack that is supposed to wipe out our city by the end of the day. Those are not the kind of battles that we typically face. But we still have overwhelming situations come up. And for some of you, that's that phone call from the doctor's office with a diagnosis or a result of a test that you were not hoping for. It may be a major change in your life. Maybe a job change or relationship that's changing. It may be a disappointment that has broken your heart. Maybe it's a child that is not doing well or a parent that you're caring for. We all have overwhelming needs that arise, and we know we can't handle them on our own. How do you respond? Do you recognize you're in need of God's help and that you're dependent on him? Are you acknowledging the situation for what it is? Or are you blowing it off and ignoring it? Well, Jehoshaphat had a a big need, bigger than he could handle on his own. And so we come to the second question. How did he respond? Verses 3 through 4. The very beginning of verse 3, it says, Jehoshaphat was afraid. And one of the questions I asked in your study was, is being afraid or fearful sin? And some would say, yes, it is sin, because if I am afraid or fearful about something, then I'm not trusting God. And that is sin. When I don't trust, I'm sinning. And I, and I understand what they're saying. But I don't, I don't believe it's sin to be afraid or fearful. One of the commentaries I read, and I meant to go back and, and write down the man's name, but I love what he said about this. He said, it's not sin to fear. But it's sin to fear and not look to God. It's not sin to be afraid. It's how we respond to that fear. It is sin to be afraid and not look to God. That's where it moves into sin because we're not looking to him to provide. I also mentioned in your study that fear can actually be a good thing if we respond to that fear correctly. I mentioned how fear can be either our greatest enemy or our, our greatest friend. It can be our worst enemy or our best friend, and it depends on how we respond to it. It can be our worst enemy if we let it paralyze us, and it keeps us from moving forward. It can be our best friend if we allow it to drive us to our knees in dependence on God. So how do you respond to your fears and those overwhelming situations? Well, Jehoshaphat's first response was he was afraid. But that's okay. But what did he do with that fear? 
Well, the second part of verse 3 tells us, he turned his attention to seek the Lord. When he was in need, he went to his knees. He sought God for help. He could have panicked and done nothing but just hide because of his fear. He could have let that fear paralyze him. He could have moved into a state of despair and said, well, okay, they're coming. There's nothing we can do. I'm just going to sit here and let them kill me. I give up. He could have put his trust in his military and pulled all of his armies together, his officers, and said, let's come up with a battle plan. We've got to figure out what we're going to do. They could have charged off to fight the battle and never thought about prayer. He could have gotten angry at God. When you read the previous chapter, he had just instituted reforms to point the people wholeheartedly to God. He could have said, God, what are you doing? I am, I am pointing the people to you. I am doing everything you have asked me to do and want me to do. God, I'm serving you, and this is what I get. He could have gotten angry and blamed God. But he didn't panic, and he didn't trust his armies. He didn't try to handle it by himself. He didn't get angry at God, but he let that fear drive him to his knees to seek the Lord. He turned to God in prayer because he knew that his greatest weapon was prayer. Prayer is our strongest weapon. But how often do we turn to that first in a time of need? How often do we immediately go to our knees when we find ourselves in need, facing an overwhelming situation? Well, Jehoshaphat was afraid, and he turned his attention to seek the Lord. And then verse 3, the last part of that verse tells us he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. He didn't keep the situation to himself, and he didn't say, okay, I'm going to handle this all by myself. He enlisted the whole nation to pray and fast with him. And so in verse 4, it says, Judah gathered together to seek help from the Lord. They even came from all the cities of Judah to seek the Lord. He pulled the whole nation together to pray and seek God. He put together a team of prayer warriors to pray together. Stephen Cole is a previous, he was a former pastor. He's retired now. He's the author of a number of articles on Bible.org. But he wrote this about the situation. He said, if we're self-sufficient and don't admit that we're needy, we rob God of his glory. And that, when I read that the first time, I went, Ouch. So true. When I am self-sufficient, I rob God of his glory. And then he goes on to say, But when we recognize our great need, we will humble ourselves and pray, not just by ourselves, but with other Christians who can bear our burdens with us. I have to admit that sometimes I just want to keep things to myself. I don't want to share something that I need prayer about. Uh, part of it is I just don't want to bother people uh, with my prayer needs. And 
sometimes it seems, well, what's wrong with me and what I need is so small and insignificant compared to what she's going through. And so I want you all to pray for her. Don't worry about me. And so I just don't share my prayer needs the way I should. Uh, Another, sometimes it's just, I don't want to come across needy. And that's pride to say, hey, I'm in need and I need y'all to pray for me. But Jehoshaphat admitted his need for help and he knew who to go to, God. And then he called the whole nation to come together and pray with him and fast. So why fasting? What purpose does fasting have in our time of seeking God? And I want to just quickly give you four ways that fasting with prayer enhances our prayer time. You know, fasting in the Old Testament was an expression of mourning or distress or repentance. It was a way of saying, Lord, I'm really upset about the situation, whether it's my sin or the situation we're facing. I really need you. But it was an expression of mourning and and repentance. A second uh, thing about fasting is that it demonstrates our earnestness in praying. And that word earnest, it implies having a purpose. God, I, I have a purpose for fasting and praying today. This is something specific that I need to come to you about. I have a purpose. So that word earnest implies having a purpose and being steadily and soberly eager in pursuing it. God, I am pursuing an answer or guidance. And I am not, it's kind of like, I'm not letting go until I, I come away with something. When I fast, and I'll be honest, I don't fast often. I have fasted probably, I can count the number of times on less than my two hands. But when I have, it's because I want God to know, God, I am very serious about this that I'm coming to you with, I need an answer. I need to know what you're doing. And I need to, I want you to see I am serious about this. And so I fast. Third thing about fasting, it deepens our prayers. Our, our words when we fast seem to have more of an intensity in our hearts. Uh, they're not shallow, hurried, kind of rote words, God, help me today. God, do this today. Okay, good. There's more heartfelt, or there's an urgency to our prayers. There's purpose in our prayers. There's a deeper sensitivity to God when I'm fasting. And then a fourth thing about fasting is that it reminds us that he is our provider. You know, when I feel the hunger pangs in my stomach when I'm fasting... I I ask God to always use that to remind me that he is my sustenance. He is my sustainer. He is my food. He is the bread of life. And Lord, never let me look to food or material things other than more than I look to you to be my life 
and my sustenance. It is just a reminder, oh, I'm hungry. Oh, but God, you provide for my needs. You are my sustenance. And when, I, when I'm hungry and uh, fasting, also, though, for some, even though I'm having those thoughts of I'm hungry, when I fast, I focus more on him and less on the distractions around me. It, it just makes me more sensitive to him. Fasting adds an intensity to our prayers. Uh, somebody asked me if I, I'd give some tips on fasting, and I'm going to just share a few things very quickly to help you out. Like I said, I don't fast a lot, but there are different ways you can fast. It doesn't mean you have to go an entire day, uh, 24 hours or 48 hours without eating, but it can be you, you fast for one meal for the purpose of prayer. Or you might fast till sundown. I've done that. I'll fast till sundown. Or you might fast from a specific food. Like, I'm only, I'm going to fast from food, but I'm going to drink, you know, or juice or water. Or I'm going to fast from soda. I'm going to fast from sugar for this day. Not for the purpose of losing weight, but for the purpose of God, I am giving this up because I need to meet with you and hear from you. Um. Those are things you might fast from things that aren't even food, like television, social media, the internet. I know friends who do that. They'll say, I'm fasting a month from social media. So there's different ways you can fast. It's just that you have to commit to it, set your guidelines. I'm going to fast until this time. And then have friends hold you accountable to it. Or have a friend, if you don't want to tell a lot of people, just say, hey, I'm, would you just ask me how I'm doing? I typically haven't told anybody when I fasted. I've just done it. And it was between me and God. But I can tell you that those are some of my sweetest prayer times with him. So Jehoshaphat was in need, and he went to his knees to seek God with prayer and fasting. And then that brings us to the third question. How did he pray? And that's in verses 5 to 12, his prayer. He stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem there at the, the temple and he, in the court, and he prayed to God. He wasn't praying for the people to hear him. He was praying to God, but the people heard him, and so do we. We get to listen in on his prayer, and this is a great prayer model to go by when we're in need. And so let's just look at his prayer and, and what he put in there. First, he began with praise. He focused on God's attributes, not the situation that he was facing. He didn't start out. He started out with praise. God, you're my creator. God, Elohim, that word G-O-D is Elohim, my creator. You created me. I know you're not going to leave me high and dry. You're sovereign, God. You're the God in the heavens, ruler over all kingdoms. You're powerful. You're mighty. Nobody can stand against you. You're faithful. And he recalls God's faithfulness to his people from his covenant promises. God, you're just. And he asked him to judge these people that were coming against him. So he began his prayer time by not focusing on the situation, but focusing on God's attributes. 
And every time we pray, that would be good for us. A good habit is to focus on his attributes, reminding yourself of who he is. You know, uh, at our women's retreat, our girls' getaway, Judy Dunnigan talked about, you know, focusing on his attributes, and she mentioned about going through the alphabet. I do that at night. I, I have trouble falling asleep sometimes, and I'll start with A and go through Z. Uh, to come, and sometimes I have to fudge a little bit and stretch it to get the letters to work. But um, I love doing that at night, just focusing on his attributes. So Josh, uh, Jehoshaphat began with praise. Second, he admitted his need and his inadequacy. He knew he could not handle this need by himself. So in verse 12... He prayed and he said, For we are powerless before this great multitude who are coming against us, nor do we know what to do. This is my favorite verse, probably in the whole Bible, but it's definitely my favorite verse in this prayer. He knew he was powerless. He knew he could not handle this on his own. He knew the reality of what he was facing. A large group of armies coming against him. And he was honest. God, I don't know what to do. We need to admit our need and our inadequacy when we pray to God. And then the third thing he did, he looked to God for help. The end of verse 12. Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. God, we're looking to you. Because you're sovereign. You're all-powerful. You can do the impossible. Show us what to do. How many times I've said those words, God, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. Uh, The past few months, and, and most of you probably know this by now, but the past few months I've been battling some GI issues uh, it's one of the side effects of traveling to uh, Asia twice a year. I usually come back and bring back something that I picked up there. And about a month ago, I was diagnosed with C. diff. Some of you know what C. diff is. It's a bacterial infection that's not very nice to your gut. And so this summer and this fall have been a little bit hard. Uh, in that area, and I tried treating it without antibiotics, tried treating it naturally, and didn't seem to be doing anything, and so I finally started the dreaded antibiotic that made me actually sicker than the C. diff. But last Wednesday morning, I reached a point, uh, and I told God, I don't think that I can get on that plane next Friday, this Friday, but this was last Wednesday, I said, I don't think I can get on that plane next week and go to Asia. Um, And to be honest, if it had been last week, I would not be going because I was just too sick. But I was studying this lesson, and I, I just took Jehoshaphat's prayer, and I started praying through it. God, you're the healer. You can heal anything. God, you can knock out these nasty bacteria just like that. You're sovereign. Maybe you don't want me to go. But I know, God, you can do the impossible. 
And I just laid the situation before him and acknowledged my need. God, I need health. I need to be healthy. And I can't do this unless you do something. And so I went to my knees and and sought him and told him, I don't know what to do. Enlisted some prayer warriors to pray with me and for me. And I had to be willing to say, God, if, if you don't want me to go, then I need to be willing to stay home. I even went back to my doctor last week uh, on Wednesday when I was feeling so bad and said, listen, I, I'm not sure what's going on. Anyway, he said, once you finish the antibiotic, you'll be fine. I think you're good to go. So I finished the antibiotic yesterday. Uh, still, the verdict is out. I don't know. I am in need, but I'm looking to him. And I'm enlisting you as prayer warriors to pray that God would do this miraculous healing between now and Friday morning at 6 o'clock, or actually at 3.30 when I leave for the airport, uh, just that I would know. You know, I plan to go, but I am where Jehoshaphat was. God, I don't know. Uh, I'm really seeking you. But that's where we all should be. Some of you today have needs. We need to be on our knees when in need and seeking him. So we've addressed three questions from Jehoshaphat's story in Second Chronicles 20. What was his need? How did he respond? How did he pray? And then the fourth question, the last question, how did God respond? We see that in verses 14 to 25. And the first thing God did was he spoke through, he he put his spirit on the the prophet Jehaziel and spoke to the people through this, this man. And in verse 15, he told the people, do not fear or be dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. God encouraged them. Don't be afraid. Don't be disheartened because of what you're facing. This is my battle. I am fighting this for you and with you. And how often do we remember that the battle's not ours, it's God's? And do we really believe that he's actively fighting that battle for us? Or does it seem as if he's sleeping and busy taking care of somebody else? He will fight for us. Verse 17, he said, You need not fight in this battle. Station yourselves. Stand and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out to face them, for the Lord is with you. And God is with us every step of the way in our battles. And he is with you in the battle that you're facing. He is with me in this battle that I'm facing, and if I get on that plane Friday, I know he's going to be there fighting with me. And so God did, we're not going to go into details about the battle, but he fought this battle for Jehoshaphat and the Israelites, and he defeated these armies without, those, without the people using any weapons other than the weapons of prayer 
and praise. God took care of his people. And we need to use those two weapons, praise and prayer, the best weapons we can use. And I love how Jehoshaphat responded after the prophet Jehaziel told him not to fear and that he would fight for him. In verse 18, it says, Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. They worshiped God, even though those armies were still coming. And that's how we should respond to God at, at work when we see him working in overwhelming situations. We should go to our knees in prayer to seek him and then worship him, not knowing exactly how it's going to turn out, but just saying, God, I trust you. And that's exactly what he goes on in verse 20. And he says to the people, listen to me, O Judah. And inhabitants of Jerusalem, put your trust in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Trust God. That's what he told the people. And that's what we have to tell ourselves. God, I don't know how it's going to work out, but I'm going to trust you and move forward in in obedience. Easy to say. Sometimes it's hard to do. But God was faithful, and he did what he said he would do. He fought the battle for them and gave them the victory. And he alone got the glory. So when in need, go to your knees. That's a principle we should practice every day. Jehoshaphat's prayer, I've mentioned, it's one of my favorite prayers in the Bible. It's one that I continually go back to. He knew his need, and he recognized his inadequacy to handle it on his own. He went to his knees to seek God in prayer. He focused on God's attributes, not the situation. He looked to God for help, not other sources. And he worshiped God. And I want to encourage you to take time this week And get alone with God and answer these same four questions for what's going on in your life today. The first question, what is your need? What is it that you're facing that is overwhelming you? And and tell him. Maybe write it down. I I journaled the other day. I just went through these questions and, and answered them myself. And if you're not in need today, you may be saying, well, Cricket, everything's going great. I'm I'm really doing good right now. Praise the Lord. Praise him if you're in that state right now. Thank him. But what is the need that you're facing? Second question I want you to just answer with the Lord is, how are you responding? Are you taking that need to him? Are you trying to handle handle it by yourself? Are you angry at God? Are you letting that fear paralyze you? Or are you on your knees seeking him? The third question, how are you praying? How are you approaching him with this need? What are you asking him for? 
Are you being honest about what you need? Are you listening to his direction? And then the last question, just are you looking to God for help or other sources? Where are you looking for help? Are you patiently waiting on God to work and trusting him? I am patiently waiting on God to work in my little system. But I'm saying, God, we're running up against a deadline. I need to know something in the next day or two. This has been timely for me to go through this prayer. And do you realize that prayer is your greatest weapon? When in need, let's go to our knees and let's say, Lord, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. Let's pray. Father, I know that there are women in this room who are in need today with different situations. We have friends that normally would be here but are not because of needs in their life right now. But Lord, we want to look to you and go to our knees and just seek you. And thank you, Father, that you will fight the battles for us. Whether it's a health battle, a marriage battle, a a family situation with a child, whatever it is, Lord, you are there with us in the middle of it. And Father, I pray that we would always look to you to meet and get us through those needs in your way and not our way, that we would not take control. Father, thank you for the lesson of Jehoshaphat and his prayer. And Lord, I pray that we would continue to apply this prayer in our lives and our needs. Lord, we love you. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.